automatic timer up. Dali Ali slips it through. Lucas Moura has scored! Welcome to Through the Thirds podcast with your host, Alistair Feezy. Hi guys, welcome to Through the Thirds podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about importance of platforms in new soccer and our guest today is Wes Odzuki. Uh, myself and Wes, we go back way back. Uh, we did, I did my D license with Wes, my C license with him and since then we just kept in contact, created a good um, friendship through coaching and yeah, just watching games together really. Uh, and yeah, Wes, over to you if you want to just introduce yourself. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Wes Osugi. Uh Currently, I am coaching at St. Carlos United. I am also a program director for United Soccer Coaching, uh, mostly camps, clinics, and summer programs. Nice. Um, so yeah, Wes, what are, you, what are you doing right now? So you're in San Carlos, um, just as a say technical director or age group, did you say, sorry? Uh, so far, uh, age group, um, we don't currently have technical directors who are just assigned to 11 v 11 or 9 v 9 or 77 formats. Uh, we get a bit of both. So currently I am working f- in all the formats uh, besides 4v4. So I have a 04 premier team, uh, a 09 gold team, and I just started with a new group, which is the 2012 boys. Nice. So what does your kind of role entail? Um, mostly as age group coordinator, you know, I've been there for about six, four, sorry, four to five years. Uh, I've been coaching for about six to seven years. Um, for St. Carlos United, I've been mostly supporting all the formats, uh, making sure that, you know, all new coaches understand their, their head coach roles, uh, being able to session plan, periodization, uh, simply communicate to parents, player evaluations. So far in the club, um, I'm one of the, I wouldn't say technical directors, but uh, mainly one of the AGCs who goes around and ensure, ensures that all the other AGCs for whether it's, you know, the 77, 99 or 11, 11 formats are completing their education, uh, whether that's United in the United States or in Europe, um, so that they do actually have, you know, grassroots education. They do have the proper education to coach 99, uh, coach appropriate levels. Uh, so far, I've been, you know, just, you know, part of that program. Brilliant. That's great. Um, so onto the topic today, uh, we discussed it a little bit before. Um, so you wanted to talk about importance of platforms in youth soccer, just for the audience, do you want to define kind of what a platform is or give um, some examples? Yeah. So a platform to me is a setting where it best suits the player's growth uh, to develop at a consistent rate. And, you know, in the United States, we have various platforms, um, platforms that are, you know, community-based or are uh, performance-based or even higher levels beyond that too, where it's about pro-based as well. Um, so a lot of the platforms in the United States, the one that's community-based a lot uh, around the, the states is AYSO. Uh, another right. one goes back to club soccer. And then you have your uh, development academies. 
that you know can be associated with or affiliated with pro teams or simply uh academy programs that are affiliated with one another yeah okay so like the ecnl yes correct the ecna da uh odp uh the olympic development program um i think there's some other ones as well i believe but uh i think the the platform is always you know changing whether that's the team itself you know a team can go from being bronze to go be academy I think it just really depends on the setting that and then the environment that they are within. Right. Okay. Yeah. And no, I see where you're going with this. Um, so yeah. So yeah, there's a lot in the US, like you said, ODP, DA, PDP. Uh, how do you think, uh, well, yeah. How do you think we can kind of get all of them on the kind of the same page in a way? So it's all linear and linear progression. I'll be very, very, very honest, and you know, it might seem a bit vague, but trying to align all these platforms, I think, is uh, is is quite a challenge in the states, uh, yeah. especially you know, AYSO. AYSO has actually done quite a decent job going from being just you know community. <clears throat> I think they they have a few teams actually in the the local league here, which is NorCal. Um, they've actually put, you know, community-based teams, teams who, you know, don't really pay anything much, um, but the league itself, the, the association itself pays for their entry fees into whether it's NorCal, uh, CCSL, um, or into any other leagues here. So I think, I think you know, AYSO is on the correct track of, you know, providing that type of platform to players so that they can develop, whether it's you know, players who are in poverty because they can't afford, you know, to join teams that are going to be playing in these higher leagues or teams are going to receive the higher training sessions or so on. Um, so I think AYS have done a decent job. However, you know, going from academy to, no, sorry, club to academy or academy to a pro academy or, or ECNL to ODP, uh, trying to align these is, is a bit, is a bit, challenging whether it's because again the environment players are from again some might be in poverty some might not have the facilities some might not have the resources uh, right. the areas of the level in different areas uh the age that certain players play at whether they're playing up or they're playing down or simply just the format of a platform whether it's organized or it's not too organized um, so I think there's a lot of key things that, you know, kind of are in the way to kind of help things align. Um, but this, I think at this rate, the one, the one platform I think at the current moment that is actually trying to align is that has done quite well is AYSO into uh, club soccer. Yeah, they've done, well, they've been great recently. I've seen, I used to work for them in San Carlos where, um, where you are now actually. And it was, it was, yeah, <laughs> compared to club soccer, it was a lot different. I've seen yeah. how they've got a good, they've got Paul Bright now ahead of it. They're really progressing AYSO, which is great, really. Especially for people who, you know, like you said, are in poverty and things like that. Really good. Um, so what do you feel would be kind of your ideal platform? You feel starting from a young age, progressing all the way through? Do you want other 
um, kind of elite platforms as well? I I believe honestly, like I I know I've read a lot of um, the way how England has run their their uh, programs and platforms over there, and I know this, you know, it's a lot of community based. Um, again, all the yeah. community based stuff is run through whether it's non league teams or you know league league teams or championship teams or Premier League teams. I think you know that they have the right idea and the right platforms. Um, and I think it's something that we should take away is if from the from that is yeah. AYSO should be the 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 base of all players, you know, youth, and obviously that starts with the coaching, that starts with the players' development. I think you know AYSO has has tried to do so, whether that's offer, you know, again to all families and the community a place to play. Uh, for I think it's it's not even that much of a cost. I don't think even it's even anything at that rate. Right. I think the only thing they pay for is. Um, either it's kits or you know physicals so that they can play i think that's about it yeah travel um, and stuff yeah traveling and all this other stuff but i believe you know again there should be only two type of platforms whether it's you know developmental and then obviously elite you know the developmental one should be available to everyone uh and then once they you know develop at a decent rate they get their opportunity to go to an elite platform which is again development academy based or ECNL or you have ODP um but I think you know in terms of platforms this should only be two this should definitely be one where it's available to everybody in the community everyone right, who can, yeah. you know who can play because I can tell you this a lot of players and a lot of talent are overseen it's fa it's fallen through the cracks due to either the platforms that players are only available to play in or simply you know just the resources to be able to play in the an elite platform because it is yeah, yeah exactly. it is very very expensive to play for da and not all the times are players going to come out successful from it either so again the importance of a platform is you know to whether it's suitable for players suitable for families suitable for the community how is it going to one you know support the players or even enable them to utilize their abilities to play yeah no i highly agree with you i mean like you said this country is such a vast country and it should be up there one of the top countries in the world for playing soccer on a national level and it's not and i think like you said if you have a platform where it's gonna have people within the community joining it and you haven't got players falling through the cracks i think there's a lot of players which which are and which don't have that that money to um, to be able to afford club soccer, really. I mean, we're getting lucky now. We're getting, uh, obviously, Sheriffs. There's one on the East Coast. There might be a couple others starting up with three clubs. Yeah. I noticed... Um, but, um, sorry, go ahead. Just the way... I was just going to say the way, kind of, uh, we do it back at home in England. You're obviously kind of born and you play for your local club. You play for your local club play, 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 whatever. And then, you you know, you go to a centre of excellence. Say, I went to Plymouth Argyle Centre of Excellence. And um, you just play there. And then if an academy coach pops down one day and likes what you see and you progress to the academy. And that's a easy, simple, like you say, platform which has progression based upon the environment. 
I think, you know, the the one thing that I really, really enjoy about England's platform is that academy coaches do take the time because it is their job. It is their job to go, you know, look for players, you know, look for talent, you know, support their talent. I think it's nice that they do go down to the local leagues. They They do go to, you know, training sessions, games of players who are playing in the local league and they, you know, they're like, all right, this kid's got a bit of something. So let's take a look at him. You know, let's give him a chance. Whereas in America, United States, it's quite different where I remember Zlatan was saying, you know, he had to pay about 3000 a season for his kids to play for the, the Galaxy Academy. Right. $3,000. That's, that's quite yeah. a bit. And again, not all, not all talent and players who are, you know, su- are suitable to even remotely get that close to play for academy of that team. So again, it's it's quite different. The platform is quite revolved around money, uh, whereas you know England, it's revolved about around the uh, the community. So, you know, you, again, like you said, you play for your local team, you go to the center of excellence, and the academy coach comes down and he likes what you have, you get your shot and. It's all in the in the platform where you know again it it leads you to it it leads you to it as well because you know it's more of like a timeline you're not rushing it you don't start in an academy when you're five years old you know you you don't start at a level where you know it's going to be the hardest as it is you start at a level where it brings you to that point whether if you're physically ready technically tactically. We're psychosocially ready. And again, yeah. that's, that's, again, the platforms in youth soccer is quite different here in America where, you know, people will pay three to four grand a season when, again, AYSO provide, or AYSO or club or simply, you know, certain platforms. I think there's other, there's other companies out there or programs that provide what they need in a certain timeline or a certain environment. Right, yeah. Do you feel to be a player over here to get to kind of a higher level or even have a look at, like you said, like we said, you know, a coach will go down to like the lower clubs or the centre of excellence and have a look. Do you feel a player over here needs to be like within that PDP programme or within just a, a good club for even to get a chance to get a, a sniff? I think, you know, there's a lot of players that I know. There's a lot of players that I've seen who play club at a decent level, you know, whether that's Premier, MPL, uh, the two stages before Academy here. Uh, I've seen them do those two or one, gone to ODP or, you know, PDP or ECNL all at the same time. And then, you know, they're playing, I don't even know how much they're playing a season. But to get a sniff or to get a chance in the United States is, is quite rare. Whereas, you know, I, I can tell you a lot of the time, academy coaches don't go looking outwards. People go looking for academies to play for, handing in applications, handing in videos, highlights. So it's more of like an appliance here where, you know, academies won't come to you. PDP. P, uh, ECNL, ODP, they won't come to you. It's more of a trial thing. So it's more of a self-responsibility. 
in terms of uh, in terms of opportunities. Um, whereas you know, if you want to find excellence, you want to find quality in England, you just go out looking for it. People don't come to you. It's you know, people might not be able to. Like I said before, if they're in poverty or if they don't have the resources or the you know, facilities or utilities to even remotely go and apply for an academy program, ODP, PDP, ECNL, or simply a club that's better, you know? Yeah, and do you think that goes back to culture? Uh, I, I don't want to say it goes back to culture. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to say it goes back to, you know, the influence. You know, again, as a coach... I always, I always watch high school games. I always watch other club games. I always watch, you know, teams that we play against. And, you know, I'm not trying to cherry pick or, you know, encourage players to join my program. But uh, it's, it's simply laid out. It's like, hey, you know, are, we, we do support players. We do sponsor players. So if players are, you know, not in, the, not in the environment where it's pointing them. And I can tell you, I've seen about four or five players. And I've been like, you have something. Is this team and the team we've played against, and I was just like the, the team that they play, and I was just like, is this really supporting you? Is this what you want? And I'm and I speak with the coach too, and it's just like, yeah, I get it. You know, you pay for the majority of your players, um, but is it real? Are you really providing a platform where they're able to grow? And you know, we come to an agreed, uh, you know, we we agree that maybe this player is better off in the program that I'm running or a different program, and you know, how can we support that player? And it simply goes back to, okay, yeah, we can sponsor him, but through our team, we can pay his dues and we can give him the opportunity. And I can tell you, three of those four players have come to the team. Um, they don't pay anything, but to in order to pay, they do have responsibilities, right? So, again, they, they have to make sure they get a 3.0. They have to make sure they attend all training sessions. Um, they have to make sure that they keep their GPA up and all this other stuff. <clears throat> So, again, I think it's just the influence of money, right? The influence, <clears throat> excuse me, the influence where if you don't have the money, you're not going to get the best education. You're not going to get the best opportunity. So I won't say it's a bit of the culture. I think it's just the influence because I, I can go to, I can go 10 miles or five, five sorry, five or 10 miles uh, south of the city that I'm working in and I could pick 11 players who don't have, you know, the resources because it's just money based. Yeah. And those, those 11 to 12 players that I could possibly pick out from this area, I know the quality and abilities that they will have is just, you know, again, what's provided and it's all influence. If there's no money, there's no opportunity. And that's where it's, I, I feel it's a bit different in England, whereas it's, Again, like you said, you, you play for your local team, right? Everything, I, I notice that a lot of the time, the local, the community is paying for a majority of players to have an opportunity. And, you know, the, the government does fund it a bit. Coaches don't get paid much over there compared to here. It's, it's quite of an influence, I believe, instead of culture. Yeah. Right, okay, influence. That's, no, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Do you not think kind of the passion side of it is huge as well? I feel over here we have to almost 
I guess going back to influence, influence the passion more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, and I'm pretty sure you can relate to it as well. But I, I watched Ronaldinho. I watched, yeah. You know, I watched a lot of players who just enjoyed, you know, with a purpose of wanting to play and why you wanted to play. You know, it was, it was fun. Here, as a coach, you're more than the coach in the United States. You're more than that. You're an influencer. You're a motivator. You know, you're you're a role model and all. Whereas, you know, people in Southern America, England, Spain, players are out playing all the time. They're not being they're not being paid. They're not paying to go, you know, have their players play. They're going out to play. They're going out to have fun. Yeah. It's something that they enjoy. Here, again, yeah, you're paying to play. You're paying to be a part of a program. You're paying to be motivated. You're paying to be influenced. You're paying for the education. Whereas, you know, you turn up in England and you're just playing. There's a there's a platform ready for you if you want to play, but you're here because you want to be here. You didn't pay to be here and so on. And, you know, a lot of the influence is also based on parents because they're paying. Right. right, so and our customers. It's it's a bit of influence that changes the coach's influence as well. It changes the environment, the culture. Sorry, not the culture. The the platform's influence of what really, really is the the overall point. So yeah, it is here. I, growing up. I didn't have a problem going to the park myself. I didn't have a problem going to find a f- bunch of friends to go play with. But nowadays, you you have to pay to be influenced to do something like that, which is quite odd. Yeah, it's it's tough. It was tough for me first coming over here. That was the kind of main main difference to what it was back at home. Um, so do you feel this is why we're seeing a lot more... Um, young Americans, I'll give the example of Pulisic, you know, going to Germany at a younger age to gain a platform and more progression rather than having that kind of college route? Uh, Yeah. Honestly, platforms change, right? Platforms are different, whether it's, you know, United States or England or Germany, Spain, Portugal, Italy. A lot of, you've seen a lot of it youth Americans travel abroad due to the platforms you spend about what three years and three four years in college from 18 that's a that's a huge huge jump and I can tell you the the college environment will never measure up to a pro academy environment or even playing for the first team I believe you know if if Pulisic have gone had stayed Instead of going over to Dortmund, his future would be quite different. For sure, yeah, quite different. Nah, I, and I, agree. I think, you know, recognizing, you know, again, the importance of changing a platform, changing, sorry, changing platforms, whether it's, you know, going from AYSO, which is your community base, or going and then going to DA, you know, the importance of recognizing one to do so, and the importance of the actual platforms providing, you know, the environment that's appropriate the level that's appropriate for the players right is critical if if our club team 
if our club was not able to provide an environment or level or even format um, for players to get to, you know, whether it's the elite route or the elite platform, we would we would be stuck in limbo. We would get players who would just, again, go off and venture off to one. They go to Europe, right? Example, Pulisic, again, he played in the, the elite platform here. I wouldn't say elite platform, but his area, he played in a decent platform where he was playing at a great level. Um, the format was quite, you know, quite quality and the environment was pretty good as well, which, you know, he had to choose. Does he want to stay in a platform in the college environment where he gets education and plays or does he want to, again, travel abroad for a different platform to make, obviously, one, soccer, his, uh, his future? So I think the importance of recognizing, you know, when to change platforms, the importance of even the organization of a platform to support players with the environment, the level, the format to get players to the next level is, is critical. Because again, we lose players through the cracks due to it. We lose players because of time, because they choose, again, the college route in order to play in the MLS. I think it's what, two years to play? You must go to college for two years in order to play in the MLS. Yeah. Unless and you are signed it. as a homegrown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, like we said, you know, players that are coming out of college at what, 20, 22? 22, 23. 23. I mean, yeah, you're going on the national level, to the national team, sorry. And you're coming up against players who have been playing Champions League football since they're 18 for four years, <laughs> like Jabon Sancho, you know? Mbappe. Mbappe, exactly. And there's just, there's no, there's no comparison. You just can't compare that. And that's, but I feel, don't get me wrong, I do feel college soccer is great for, you know, you're playing for your three, four years, you're getting yeah, your degree. 100%. It's brilliant. I mean, you see a lot of, see a lot of English people, a lot of Europeans come over here and do that. 100%. Make a life out of it. I know a lot of coaches, that's how they started. They come from UK to USA. I feel if I knew about that back at home, I feel, I think I would have done it 100%, but not really. I think it's more advertised now. And you see, you know, perfect examples. Um, Jack Harrison plays for Leeds. Mm, he came yeah. over. I think he played for, was it Wake or Yale? One of them. And um, he was like the first draft, played for New York. And then he got, and then Leeds brought him home. Brilliant. I think. Um, so yeah, what's your, what's your thoughts on the kind of platform to get into college? Like, is that basically based upon, I feel it's based upon your video as a player. And is that just through high school or is it more club soccer? So I know you work with that age group in your club. What's your, yeah, what's your thoughts on it? So we go, we go back to the appliance, right? And again, to, in order to play in the college environment is how much exposure you give yourself and how much, um, obviously time to develop you give yourself as well the the most important part to that other the other side which is the important side is obviously the platform that they're currently playing in whether it's you know they're playing for a premier mpl team they're playing for a, a academy team or they're obviously playing for high school so i think you know again um there's two sides to it one 
the players are responsible for themselves, how they give themselves the opportunity. One is recording videos, make sure that they have highlight tapes. Two is reaching out to interest of, you know, whether they want to go to so-and-so college, attending, attending to uh, camps and ID camps of that, of the colleges of interest. And then the opposite side of that, again, is the, the platform. How organized is the platform? Um, is it, you know, is it meeting the players' needs? Are they playing in a higher age group? Is the level appropriate for them? Um, is the platform changing based on the level that they go into? Uh, is it progressive? So, again, there's two sides to it. I believe, you know, once one is a responsibility of the player, how they, you know, again, expose themselves to the teams, sorry, to the schools and colleges that they want to play for. And also self-reflection and self-evaluation of the environment and platform that are currently playing in. Yeah, I think it's great for the player. They're learning a lot, self-reflecting and analysing themselves. Really good. Um, but I knew a player, um, so he didn't really, confidence-wise, he didn't think he was that great. And he, he kind of accepted an offer from a D3. Then he went to another camp and he got two offers from uh, two D1 colleges. And he's, you know, obviously he can't take back his offer now from the D3. So it's kind of like, you know, he's stuck in limbo a bit. You, you know, you can always change platforms. You can always change. That's the beauty of it. And that's, right. you know, you're not signing a contract for multiple years. Um, you can always change the platform. So again, like in club, I think there's about three or four players that I've coached and I spoke to them briefly about it as well. I was like, Hey, how's this platform? He's like, yeah, we enjoy it. Um, we enjoy, you know, the coaching. We enjoy the players that we're playing with. Uh, it suits our needs at the current moment. Uh, we don't feel like we need to go and drastically change the platform based on, you know, if we lose a game here, if we, we you know, just completely destroyed another team. Um, I think right now what what they were looking at was, one, are they having fun? Two, are they still developing at a consistent rate where, you know, their, their abilities are improving and they're progressing? And three, um, is it is it manageable? Are they able to, you know, complete their schoolwork? Are they able to uh, continue their education and development through that, that platform? If so, fantastic. And I think a year later, um, you know, based on their abilities, based on their level of play, they, they did a self-reflection and was like, yeah, I think it's time for a change. You know, I felt last season was really great. I had fun. I was still improving with my friends. Uh, but that's the one thing that I noticed. I was improving. My friends were not. So I think it's time for a different change in platform where, you know, all players are wanting to develop. All players are wanting to be challenged. Our players are trying to manage, you know, whether they have work, whether they have school. Um, so I think that in, in that term, you know, changing platforms is always one of the beautiful things. You're not stuck in a place where this is what you are. This is what you get. That's it. You right. can change from a D3 to a D1, no problem. D3 gives yourself a little bit more time to adapt to the college level, to understand yeah. the managing of going to class, 
going to training sessions, going back to class, going to games, you know, having to manage all that is, is quite a bit much. So again, going back to it, platforms, you can change. There's no problem. Sometimes jumping into a D1, you might end up spending their entire four years on the D1 bench playing limited time, limited games. Because one, maybe that college program had, you know, 10 senior, 10 freshmen who came in all at once ended up being 10 starters or eight, eight of them ended up being the starters for the rest of the time, whether if they were freshmen to seniors. And there's a lot of players who come onto the bench who are just missing their opportunity because those eight players yeah. were just either out of depth, way too good, level of play. Again, like I said, level of play, they were just way too good for it. And right. so starting at a D3, so there's no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. So just to kind of <coughs> summarize, and this might be a bit of a throw in the deep end question here, Wes. <laughs> but what would you say, you know, you're at the top in the US. What would you design as a good platform kind of for all players? Would you start, you know, what age would you start, kind of what's needed to progress? And whether would you go into the college game or kind of the program, how would you, what are the kind of three key things you would, I guess, include if you design, if you had to kind of design one? So, um, again, I think, I think it's, it's really, really great that, we have AYSO, which is community-based, and then we have club, which is, I feel that is like the center of excellence, like you explained, and we have academy. Um, the only the only problem to it is the organization of the platforms. Um, you know, AYSO, uh, I, I understand it's parent-coached. Um, not all parent coaches uh, are terrible or, you know, are suitable for the position. Um, they end up doing, you know, different things that should be in different formats, whether if they're playing 4v4, 77, 99, or 11v11. Um, my ideal, again, is going to, one, having a free community base where all players are allowed to play. Uh, they don't have to pay anything. Uh, if they want to move on to levels, whether it's, you know, Again, club, center of excellence, you pay a little bit more. One, because you travel, you get into different tournaments, you get different exposure. The quality of education is a little bit different. And then obviously you have your, uh, your DA programs, right? So for me personally, AYSO, the format, the organization, if that was able to be a bit better, then again, the club, the stepping stools going up, the stepping, the stepping stones going towards club, building up to that would be a lot easier in transition. Club building up to academy would be a lot better, It'd be more enticing. Versus, I've seen what AYSO has coached. I don't want to do that. I'll put my kid in, in club, based on the format or based on the organization of the platform. Oh, I've seen that club. Don't like that club. I just rather pay three thousand dollars a year for my kid to be in academy. So it, it kind of goes back to you know the timing of a platform. Right. Again, if you pay three thousand dollars 
right, a year for academy, and your kid plays hardly any minutes, that player could have got the same education playing in club. Same thing vice versa. That player could have got that same education in AYSO. However, the organization of the platforms aren't really aligned at the current moment. Nobody, I feel nobody has an idea or a clue of where to start. And right. it goes back to the influence. Parents wanting to see teams win. Parents paying. Parents, again, having too much control and influence, which adds the pressure onto the coaches who change the platforms based on, one, to get a result instead of development, or, you know, two, to please the parents. Yeah. So if, if it was a bit different, if there's a bit of a change, my opinion, AYSO, again, don't even keep track of scores. Make it free to everybody. Make it community-based. Let players go through a, an education, whether that's like preschool, going to elementary school, going to middle school, right? All the timing and platforms. You don't teach something in, in preschool that you would learn in middle school, would you? So it goes back to the same thing. You don't teach something that, you know, just because an academy team's doing it, you don't teach it in club. You don't teach something that's, you know, you're doing in a 11v11 format, in a 4v4 format. So I think the influence, again, it changes. If the organization of AYSO was a bit different, more players would play it, right? There would be a lot of players playing in AYSO. If the format changed in club or the organization was a bit better, same thing, vice versa. Parents don't need to put players in the academy so quickly. Sometimes they... Some kids are playing five different sports. What's the point of playing the academy if you're playing five different sports? So right. <laughs> yeah, nice, no, brilliant, Wes. Thank you, appreciate it. Um, just to kind of finish off. So obviously, while we're in this practice at home culture at the moment, this period with COVID nineteen, what um, what have you been doing with your teams, and what have you been putting out with your club in San Carlos? that we could kind of share with the coaches listening to this? Um, so with the younger teams, I've been pre-recording sessions um, that they are able to do with and without the ball uh, to support their individual technical abilities uh, and physical abilities as well. Um, the only things, you know, the younger kids don't really focus on are the tactical and physical side, sorry, psychosocial side, not physical. Um, those are the only two that they don't really get exposed to. Uh, now with the older teams, I'm assigning video assignments, uh, going over tactics, tactics, whether that's with the ball or without the ball, if we're attacking, we're defending, um, or if that's when we're in transition. Um, there's a lot of tactics that we're going over in video, uh, in videos with video assignments and also watching games. Um, Two different teams trying to recognize formations, trying to recognize systems of attacking, defending, um, defending and attacking formations, trying to recognize trends from one team to another. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of things that I've done with the older team. Uh, I've also given them a workout schedule, well, which they have to record the time completed, whether it's you know running two miles and what the first day, which is a total fitness day, uh, trying to get under 12 minutes. Or if it's, uh, you know, a, another day where they're working with a ball and they have to do X amount of 
sets and reps. Um, the total time that they are completed uh, shows me the consistent rate that they are performing at, or if you know there's a drop in performance due to too much of a load, or you know if there's a uh, not enough you know rise in their performance due to one, it's not enough for them. They need more. Um, they also take a survey or how they felt before the training session and how they felt after the training session. Maybe they felt sluggish um, before and they came out refreshed or they went in refreshed and came out, you know, kind of sluggish. Maybe it was just too much. Uh, but they, they take surveys for the psychosocial side uh, to kind of get an aspect of one, you know, are they, are they really, really staying healthy? Uh, two, is this, you know, benefiting them? Is it a stressor or is it a reliever? Um, but that's that's the bit for the older groups. Nice, nice. And then uh, for your older, sorry, anything tactical? Have you got lined up? Um, so so far I've given them uh, their first video assignment. Um, nice. Let me see where I put it. Give me one second. Their first video assignment. Um, they had about 14 videos and they it's it's a full week so you know they could do two videos a day uh and they they complete it one you know was counter-attacking uh there's two parts to it they they go over a session of a coach explaining you know counter-attacking the ways they counter-attack um what to do in possession not possession uh what to do in transition uh and then they watch a video of a team who who counter-attacks I have a video of Liverpool just nonstop counterattacking against teams. Um, they are asked to provide, you know, timestamps and, and kind of recognize multiple ways how that team either regain possession to counterattack and obviously their favorite way that that team counterattack. Uh, so again, the video assignments can definitely go from doing that to the next one could be zone of defending. Uh, it could be based on individual positions. Um, so again, a lot of tactics given to them for the older teams just so that they are staying fresh in their mind. Even though they're not playing, um, they have an idea of, you know, the tactics, whether that's with the ball, if that's trying to swing the point of attack, or if that's trying to, you know, pro provide a counterattack or simply defend players who build out and so on. Um, because I know when we do get back to the field, it'll be we'll be only having to do one part of the job, which is play and learn versus kind of break everything down little by little talking. It'll be more playing than talking when we do get back to the field. Yeah, it's almost a blessing in disguise, this um this little break we're having. Kind of uh kind of enjoying it in a way, with getting lots more work done and more um planning, which is great really. You know, I don't know about if, yourself, I'm guessing you are as well. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot of planning. I think, you know, in, in terms of um, kind of looking at the platform that I was providing, it was like, you know, why did I not give out video assignments beforehand? Oh, maybe because we do train three times a week. Maybe it's enough time. But now that I look back at it, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I could, could provide this while I'm you know, while we are training still, while we are still playing games and so on, can still provide um, video assignments. I, I, you know, I, again, it is, it is a very, very weird time. Um, but I think it's definitely 
supported the growth of some coaches in terms of having to adapt and still provide a platform for players to grow, whether if they're playing or not. Yeah, I think it's been uh, weirdly, weirdly enjoyable. But, yeah, I highly agree with that. Learning a lot. And that's why I've kind of started this podcast. <laughs> um, so, now, Wes, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on. Hope to have you on again soon. Hope you enjoyed it. No, uh, is there anything fun. you wanted to kind of summarize or finish with? Um, I mean, again, basically, like, hey, a platform is, is one that is recognizable to support players. I think that's the one thing that we have to look towards uh, improving. Uh, that's constantly, because, again, the game is constantly changing. I think, you know, providing the platform to, whether that's in AYSO, club, or DA, we have to look at, is it beneficial? Um, are we really getting the most out of the players? Is it really, you know, again, suitable for players? And is it an environment where it allows players to be creative and have a great imagination? If it's not, then obviously, you know, the one, again, environment needs to change or need to change platforms. Yeah, that's a brilliant summary. Appreciate it, Wes. Thanks a lot. Of course, man. Appreciate being here and uh, thank you for the time. Thank you. That was Wes Odzuki from United Soccer Coaching and San Carlos Soccer Club. Wes raised some really good points regarding the amount of platforms here in the United States and then comparing them to what is in Europe from how we kind of do it over in England. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening. Don't forget to give myself a follow on AF Coach Soccer on Instagram and AF Coach Soccer on Twitter, as well as Facebook. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. There'll be plenty more coming your way soon. Thank you very much.